everybody. Welcome back to the Head Up Edge podcast, the premier podcast where we discuss all things public education. I'm your loving and passionate podcast host, Dr. Stacey Gonzalez. Today, I have with me a special co-host, Mr. Jerry Sanchez, eSports extraordinaire. Oh, Jerry, so glad you're here today. No, I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. It's edgy. It's nice. It's fresh. Hey, are you wearing your matching shirt today? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. You know, I have to wear this for every podcast we co-host together. Every podcast we call, I was wearing, for, for our listeners, I was wearing this pink shirt that I actually found on Amazon. It's super cute. Jerry and I were talking, he's like, I love that shirt. I'm like, he's like, I love pink. I was like, well, I'm going to send you a shirt. So now we've got our matching shirts. And I think it gives us a little bit of a vibe going, keeps us on, on point. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I didn't think it'll come. I didn't think it'll come. Amazon was telling me you have a package. And I said, what, what package? Because I didn't remember. And then I got it and I was so excited. I know. Well, I'm excited today. You know why? Because we have an amazing, amazing guest. We have Ben Surrow, who is the principal of Dwight Morrow High School in New Jersey. So welcome, Ben. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for having me here today. I'm very excited to be here. So excited that you're here. Really pumped about this conversation. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I've been in education since 2004. Um, I've had the uh, opportunity to be um, able to hold a lot of different positions um, in education, everything from teacher to coach to mentor um, to assistant principal dean. And right now I'm fulfilling my uh, long-term professional goal was uh, to become a principal. And I'm the very proud principal of Dwight Moore High School in Englewood. So um, I'm very passionate about education. I'm very passionate about mindfulness and supporting students, especially in this time. You know, education is very important. Uh, virtual learning is something that's developing, but one thing that um, is developing even quicker is just making sure that we're taking care of our students mentally, physically, um, so they can perform in the classroom. Yeah, that is so important. This whole notion of mindfulness, self-awareness, self-regulation with the challenges our students have faced, have faced, and I'm sure you're seeing it every day, you know, you're on the front lines, but can you tell us a little bit, what is it like for kids today in high school during a pandemic, with the level of stresses we have, what, what are you seeing? So yeah, you know, right now is such an incredible time. Uh, you know, over the last year, we've seen a lot of different things come at us. Um, and as adults, you know, it, it's, it's something that is definitely um, hard to deal with, hard to swallow, very stressful. And, you know, you take that and you extrapolate it out to a student, it's even more so. Um, so, you know, I, I think the biggest thing right now is making sure that we help our students manage the stress. Uh, one of the big things we say is, you know, happiness is not given. There's a journey to sustain happiness. Um, so, you know, we, we do a lot um, to support our students to make sure that they're being heard and acknowledged and supported. Um, but to answer your question, there's a lot going on right now. You know, the students are, um, there's a lot with testing and there's a lot with um, instruction and just being the best they can academically. But as I said before, as a principal, I'm very concerned about academics, but I need to make sure, uh, first and foremost, that my students feel safe, supported, and mentally well. So um, there's a lot going on right now, and, you know, we're learning as we go. But I think, you know, all principals and administrators, um, especially in New Jersey, are focusing on our students' well-being, first and foremost. I'm curious, because when you say feel safe, uh, are we also talking about how comfortable the students are, and not just coming to campus, but uh, how comfortable they are taking certain academic studies, 
how, how, how flexible the school is. Because when I hear the word safe, and a lot of schools are throwing this around, and obviously for, for very good reasons, when I hear the word safe, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking COVID, right? I'm, I'm thinking how dangerous it is to have uh, some of these young students or so, so some of these administrators being in contact with these students in the classrooms. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on what exactly is going on when, when you mean safe? So when I mean safe, I mean it in every possible capacity uh, that it can fall under. Um, definitely feeling safe in the classroom, coming back to campus with you know everything that's happening with COVID. Um, safe to feel like uh, you know the students feel acknowledged and heard. I think that's a big one, uh, especially since you know I have such a big and diverse population of very beautiful types of people. Um, we need to make sure that everyone is acknowledged and heard. And you know, another big thing is safe is for my staff and my students to take academic, you know, dives into something that's different. Um, mm, we're in an opportunity good. right now to just reimagine um, learning and, and teaching and learning. Uh, we moved from a brick and mortar school uh, last March to a fully virtual school in 72 hours. And there's a lot of learning um, and risk taking uh, that's happening at Dwight Morrow. And that's super healthy because we're an opportunity where we can actually evolve with education and we have a hand in it and every day, um, you know, I work really hard to tell my staff, hey, you know, take a step back, let's not think traditionally and let's really engage our students in really innovative and creative ways. So safe physically, safe academically and safe professionally. I, I wanna make sure that I put my staff in a position where uh, they can experiment and really push the envelope with virtual learning. Gosh, I love that. I mean, could you imagine, Jay, if we had principals like that who made it safe for us to take risks, especially, right? I notice here you're, you, you've got a background in um, science and you've, you've been a part of um, a bunch of chemistry, biology. And, you know, those areas kind of scare me a little bit. So to make it safe for me to engage in STEM and different things like that is so incredible how do you how do you do that what does that look like it's, it's a, yeah it's a little hard i mean uh but once you have it it's it's like riding a bike you just you, you don't forget it um it's it's very interesting to me because i've never i've never heard i'm not saying that they, they might have the principals don't think of this but i haven't heard of a principal talk about uh, you know the duty of care and i talk about this a lot when it comes to esports in higher education not necessarily high school but the duty of care for the students and helping guide them through the process and helping extend the education to the parents and letting the parents know, hey, look, listen, this is what we're doing to make sure that your child is safe, is going to have that parent feel more comfortable with, you know, driving the, their, their kids to school, making sure that their kid stays in after school activities and engages within the community because they know that they're safe. Without this, I don't, I think that a parent is less encouraged to push their, their child to stay after school and to kind of stay in these clubs that they feel like, hey, you know what, it's not safe. It's in the back of our mind, even for the people that don't really care about COVID, which I think is nonsense. I think it's very important for, for someone, especially in the, in the position of Ben as a principal, to really take care and, and kind of handle this in the forefront. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we do a lot just to make sure that everyone feels supported and acknowledged. And you're talking, you know, all of this stuff kind of falls under the same umbrella when you're talking safety. You know, STEM is a big push right now. The biggest job sector, um, you know, needing, needing, educated professionals is computer science. And a lot of times, you know, when, when I work, work with students, um, I would remember being a student and kind of being curious and inquisitive and, and saying, hey, I would like to learn hands-on. I would like to tinker. And, you know, I, it was a different time when I was coming through high school with science. Uh, I remember having an overhead projector and the teacher would have the notes handwritten 
um, on a transparency and they would just go line by line and I would write as much as I could. Um, and, you know, I, I do remember a few times just really liking something, asking a question, answering something and just being like, nope, that's not correct. And then, you know, move on to someone else. So, um, you know, an, another part of, of education and STEM and computer science is being able to have the opportunity to work through misconceptions, right? So um, I think that if you are able to generate an environment where students feel like, hey, you know what, I might not be 100% correct, but my teacher is helping me to get to the point uh, where I can have full understanding and I can share that, that's when you start to find students and staff really passionate about what they do. Um, I really wish that when I was in high school, I would have had you know, more opportunities to be um, you know, engaged and scaffolded with, with my learning because I feel as if um, I would have done a lot more in high school than I did. Um, and it might, you know, it might've put me in a, in a different situation academically and personally. So I was very fortunate you know, in, in college to have uh, professors who did that who invited me into learning and who pushed me. And I think, you know, right now in high schools, we have to have that mentality because uh, we're doing something completely brand new. So, um, yeah, you know, I think being safe falls into also being um, safe with being who you are and then finding your passion. Yeah, that is so crucial. Um, and you mentioned the mindfulness, the psychological safety of uh, the time of us recording this right now. We know that we just saw a major conviction for the officer that murdered George Floyd. And so I'm wondering, you know, you mentioned having a diverse school, um, high school students, our, our high school students now are using their voices, are taking a stand, are speaking up. How are you as a principal um, navigating those conversations, those uh, motions that might be coming out um, relative to what the students are seeing happening in, in, in society. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot going on. Um, you know, I always work with my students to make sure that they have the forum um, to share, you know, their thoughts and their feelings. Um, I have students in my office, well, in my virtual office now, um, all the time. And we have a lot of conversations, open conversations about things that are happening in the school and outside of the school. Um, and, and one thing that we try really you know, hard to do um, is to make that human connection with our students and to generate a positive outlook, a sense of purpose and gratitude. Uh, we, we work really hard to make sure that our students are informed, fully informed on, on what is happening um, and then talking through how they fit into that. Um, so they have the ability and, and the, the leeway uh, to make decisions, to have purposeful discussions that are gonna move the needle. Uh, we're in a very urban district. Uh, we also do have students in the academies who come from different areas. And we have uh, definitely the need for our students to be heard um, and to, again, I, I keep saying the word acknowledge because there are a lot of things out there. There's a lot of feelings out there. And I want my students to be able to share those with me in the, in the community in a purposeful and mindful and, and, and informed way. So uh, with everything that's going on, uh, we need to take a step back as educators and make sure that we're hearing our students and that we're supporting our students um, and letting them have the opportunity to explore and to be heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. All of this stuff is important. I remember when I was in high school, I wasn't necessarily uh, the best kid. I was extremely, extremely applied and smart, and I loved the material. I just hated the regulations of the school. I, an example, I was one of the kids that wanted to go out and buy Burger King for lunch, but you can't really leave the <laughs> high school. 
Um, I didn't quite understand that because, uh, you know, I was the type of person that I would come back, <laughs> but <laughs> that wouldn't apply. Of, of course, you can't have this type of, you know, freedom in high school. That's more for like the college level. But uh, my mentors were the assistant principal and the principal. I would I would get brought in and, you know, they would talk to me about and it was actually like a new initiative in the first high school that I went to. And I say first because I went to six different high schools because. Well, I had to. It was <laughs> I got I got kind of I got kind of kicked from um. Some we of the high we schools. know what that's code for, Jerry. We we all got <laughs> we all got you. We're all educators. But, here. but I I saw the uh I met the the principals and you know it in small phrases and words um I always I decided you know in my brain somehow between the being a, a rebellious person and being a person that that you know w- wanted to learn and wanted to be applied I thought to myself. If they told me one or two phrases, they must mean something. So I actually found some meanings, uh, or whether they were not, or, or, or it doesn't matter, uh, because uh, I wanted to myself learn, and I really appreciate, you know, uh, Principal Donahue or Principal Maria, and all these principals that I spoke to throughout the years. And it's it's very humbling to hear someone in your position talk about how you actually genuinely care for what's happening in, in COVID and with the students and with the parents and engaging them more. So I'd like to know more about how how your school is utilizing the new evolution of technology with what's happening now and saying, you know what, we want technology to be a part of our school and be a part of our learning environment. Sure. So just to take, you know, a couple um, pieces of, of what you just said, I think hopefully most educators are in it to support students. The best part of my job is having the ability to connect with, with students. And I really enjoy having the opportunity to mentor students and to talk with them. Um, you know, that that is the absolute best part of my job. And we actually just introduced students back onto campus this weekend. You could just tell that everyone is so much happier. I'm um, having the ability just to kind of connect with kids and to talk with them and catch up and just, you know, hear them out. And it's been really exciting for us with, with technology. Uh, you know, we, we are a one to one school. Um, there is so much out there when it comes to resources um, and applications and programs. And at this point, we're working really hard to make sure that we find uh, programs uh, that are going to support our, our, our groups of students. Um, technology is uh, very comprehensive and there's a lot out there. So what we do is we try our best to get as much information as we can about the different application and programs out there and see what is going to best fit um, our students. And then honestly, at the end of the day, when, you know, looking at the equitable piece, equitable piece excuse me, what's going to best fit um, each student? Right, so that's when individual learning starts to happen. You know, you have your interventions for specific students, and the beautiful thing about technology is there's so much out there that you can actually tailor the different programs and applications to a specific student to get them to succeed academically. Yeah, that is so important, um, and the role that you're in, and I, I know as as having been a, a building administrator, a district administrator, it is such a crucial role because you really play in that space where you always are looking for what I like to call that um, relative to policy and process, uh, the things that we have to adhere to versus that common sense, what we know is best for kids, right? And so I, I, I like to call it, quote, the ethical wiggle room, right? As, a, as an administrator, like here's the policy, here's the common sense, and here's that kind of loophole um, with with how we're going to navigate this situation or that situation with students, um, and and it has become so difficult right now. Uh, our educators, our educational leaders, 
are facing via, I mean, it was hard, It right? It was hard being an educator prior to COVID. Mm-hmm. COVID happened and exacerbated that in a way in which, um, I mean, I, I'm in Chicago, you know, the news every day, the, the teachers union, Chicago public schools versus the politics there. So I'm wondering from an administrative standpoint, how do you navigate those complexities so you stay in tune with what the kids need, what your staff needs, yet kind of knowing that you've got all of these other policy regulations, bureaucracy, poli- you know, all those things at play as well. So you had mentioned wiggle room, and I love to live in the wiggle room. Uh, because, you know, when you're uncomfortable and, and, and you're feeling like um, you, you, you're trying to do what's best for the students and you put students first, no matter what um, you're looking at, if you put kids first, um, every decision is going to be the right decision. So, um, you know, amen to that. <laughs> absolutely. So students first, and that should be the priority for, for everyone uh, looking at laws and policies and protocols and procedures. We have a ton of those out there, uh, but I definitely recommend. Um, for anyone you know who, who is an administrator um, who's looking to become an administrator is to make sure uh, that no matter what you do, you put your kids first. Um, laws and protocols and policies are out there to support students. Um, but again, at the end of the day, um, sometimes we get bound um, into compliance. And you know that's definitely a tough part as, as an administrator saying, oh man, did I, you know, did I do this? Did I do that? Am I following the guidelines and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I've also been put in, in positions where, you know, wow, you know, this policy is here, um, but I'm going to give a little pushback because that's not going to um, equitably serve my students. So, you know, you spoke about that wiggle room. Uh, the pushback sometimes is having that informed discussion with policymakers um, about what's happening uh, on the ground. Um, in our schools, because sometimes, you know, everyone has the best intentions for our students. But I think as educators, we have such a valuable amount of experience and education. Um, and, you know, we're able to share that uh, with our teams. And if we're able to share that with those who make the, you know, the policies, the procedures, the laws and all that, um, we have a voice. And I think that advocating is always a huge thing for administration. I want to go and take actually a step back because I have an access question. When the COVID kind of started kicking up and everyone started to realize, hey, you know what, this is going to be a problem. We have to start wearing masks. We have to start kind of social distancing, which I think was a very uh, nice and swift initiative by the whole entire country. And they did it real well. We saw some schools that, that couldn't adjust to the hybrid environment. They, they well, they went out of business. So when, when we look at your institution and what you're doing over there, how was, how was the kickstart from COVID and, and, and what did you and your administration do to make sure that everyone stayed safe? Um, you know, as I mentioned before, we had 72 hours to kind of pivot and to move from the school building to a virtual um, learning. And I'll be as transparent as possible. Virtual. That's what learning, we love. That's what that we love here. Virtual learning is nowhere near as effective as it should be. Um, it's it's honestly, again, we're, we're just, you know, we're speaking transparently and keeping it real. Um, it's, it's not good. It's not. You know, I, I, we don't have the luxury of having years and years and years and years of experience in the virtual learning. And now, you know, moving to hybrid, we even have less than that. Um, so it, it's, it's tough because you want what's best for your students, but you need to catch up and you need to find out what works and what doesn't work. And I feel as if, you know, as we mentioned before, if everyone just keeps pushing the envelope and taking risks and learning and, and communicating and just being in a place where you are, great, you know, uh, you have the gratitude to be in a position where you can kind of put your 
your, your, your stamp on education. That's when things start to move forward. People need to own what they do. I let my staff take risks and they own it. And I think when you do that, start to move the needle forward with virtual learning. But to, you know, to be honest, it's, <laughs> it's something that I'm not happy with as, yeah. as an administrator in any way. Anyway. I was, I was going to tell Stacy that I think this was going to be the first academic discussion in a podcast because when you started, you know, you continued the conversation and you said, well, because we're not used to it. I said, ah, okay, they're not used to it because I think that there's, there's places in online learning. I mean, even when we look back to the like early 1900s, when online learning was really just for like business seminars, because you got to be in a classroom. Uh, but I like that you said we're not used to it because there, there is there is a huge nuggets of knowledge that we can get from online learning. I, I don't know if you have some takes on this, Stacey, but I learned so much stuff from online learning that I mean, it, it doesn't have to be academic stuff. It could be, you know, whether it's fixing your car, whether it's cooking. But yeah, yeah, like yeah. you said, we're not yeah. used to it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. And as a, I remember, I, I, I'll never forget this. Six years ago, when I came into the school district, I was working at as a curriculum director. I walked in, and, and the social studies guy sat down. My social eight thousand high school kids. I sat down with the three social studies uh, division chairs from the three buildings, and I said, "Okay, so U.S. history required, like for all juniors, we're going to turn that into an online blended class." And they were like, "What are you talking about? That's crazy talk. We can't do that. Why would we do that? Why would you want to do that?" And I'm like, "Listen, we got to we've got to shift agency, and we've got to shift ways of doing it." Now, I just happened to be a person who for 15 years of my career had been interested in doing it. But to, to Ben's point, um, we're not used to it across the country as an in public K-12 education as a whole. And to be forced, right, to be forced to be like, take your computer. I mean, there's so many places you're lucky that you had one-to-one Ben in your school because all these places that didn't have anything, what, right. They, we, there's still kids right now that are missing. We yeah. cannot find kids. And right. I'll be honest. I don't know that they're coming back. Right. There's going to be kids. I don't know. Where we're going to find them right. at this point. Right? A lot of students in, in, you know, our community, um, unfortunately they, they have just, we, we don't know where they are. Um, some of the students actually returned back. Um, you know, to, to, to family in, in different countries. We had a lot of students whose parents lost their jobs and now the students are learning asynchronously and working during, during the day. Um, so it's absolutely COVID and, and, and virtual learning and, and all of this, um, this newness to education has definitely put, um, you know, education in, in the spin cycle. But I do, want, I do want to make sure, you know, I'm saying that it's challenging, uh, but I'm, hope, I'm also conveying that it's, it's exciting. It is very exciting because now we're pushing the envelope and we're moving education um, in a more equitable way. So um, absolutely, the technology, if you don't have the ability to provide your, your students with a one-to-one -one device or have access to technology, this is, this is absolutely a nightmare. Yeah, and this is this is ripe for like, you know, and, and I love having Jerry with me because he's our like Gen Z on the line of a Gen Z or millennial. I mean, he's, he's right there living yes. this and a kid, you know, much, in, you know, but I don't want to make any assumptions because you've got great credentials. But I know for Jerry and I, not ideal high school kids. Right. And, and really our kids now that are missing, I think there's going to be other ways for them to access via their phones, via the, mm -hmm. the learning that they need. Um, and so as, as public schools, as schools, how are we going to leverage that? And Jerry, I'll let you pop in with some of your thoughts. Yeah, and, we will. And kick it, kick yeah. it over to Ben. 
Well, they, there's a lot of access that they have now. In fact, so I'm, I've been doing two publications uh, for IGI Global. The first one got rejected because of my conjunctions, but we're working that's, on that's that. That's not why. We're working that's on that. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is esports and higher education. We're doing the, the, the breakdown of, you know, higher education. I'm talking about like the er, you know, early 1900s, like I told you earlier. We're kind of breaking that down and going into, you know, what I call recruitment, engagement, retention, revenue, and all that stuff. And we're, I'm doing a full breakdown, but the other one is the more interesting one, and it's a public Publication on technology in the workspace. And when I mean workspace, I'm talking about the educational workspace, the classroom, like how to integrate technology into the learning space in terms of tangible aspects. And I'm not talking about a projector. I'm talking about like a text message, like app for a student can answer a question anonymously. So they don't have to go through that pressure of their peers. Like, oh yeah, he's a smarty, right? So when we're looking at like, especially the younger kids, right? Um, and especially being like a quote unquote, the nerd or being a quote unquote, this person that just doesn't know any answers, giving the option for or this integration of technology. Look, listen, the kids are going to use the phones whether you like it or not. So the idea of having them integrated into the classroom, I think is pretty cool. There's a lot of heavy research on it. And I'd like to hear your take on what kind of like, you know, the ideas that perhaps you've thought about integrating, especially since now you have a hybrid environment where maybe some students are in the class and half of them are like at home. How does that work? Um, It's something that we're working through. Uh, You know, teachers are actually back um, on campus this week, and like I said, we had we have students back, and they're doing now. They're, they have students in, in person, and they're doing virtual learning. And it is it is tough, um, and it is absolutely tough, um, especially since there really hasn't been too much training for our students, uh, our, our faculty, and our students when it comes to what hybrid learning is and what it can be. Uh, you know, we do have district uh, issued laptops. Every student has access to a Wi-Fi uh, Wi-Fi hotspot as well. Um, but, you know, when you take a step back and you're like, oh, you know, students actually have their own devices. Most students have, um, you know, a, a phone. Um, they're able to access information in a much quicker fashion than I was. You, you know, you're saying you're Generation Z. I'm generation old. And, you know, <laughs> we, had, you know we, we had encyclopedias. And I remember as a kid, you know, being Jerry, Jerry, an encyclopedia is a book that tells you things like Wikipedia. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm aware. And there's a series of them. And, you know, uh, when I wanted to learn something, I would go into an encyclopedia. We were using a Dewey decimal system. I don't even know if that exists anymore. Um, and you know, that was something where we had access on the hardcover stuff and, you know, it took time. Right now, a student can pull up their phone and they can tell you what a ribosome is without even knowing a ribosome is. And they can learn it in five seconds. So, um, you know, the technology access is, is huge. Um, we, we continue to allow our students to use different modalities of technology. And we're learning. You know, we, we're definitely learning and we're seeing what works and what does not work for each of our kids. Yeah, it's hard, man. It is so it is so tough right now because to your point, teachers were not trained. There is, there was no training. There was, who could, I made an e-learning plan for our district. It took me six months. I thought it was going to be for a snow day. And then it ended up being for a quote unquote snow over a year, right? Like that's crazy. So um, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, where you're at with your students, with your staff, what is the thing that that keeps you up at night? What is the thing, Ben, that you are just like, if I, if I could, or, you know, the thing that is just on your heart. So as a principal, the, the, the thing that keeps me up the most is when I think about my students, making sure that they're number one, making sure that they're getting the best possible education each and every day. And when it comes to virtual learning and hybrid learning, it is something that I have to take a step back and be patient with 
and understand that I cannot fix it in a matter of weeks, um, months. It's something that it, it's a process. You have to trust the process. You have to understand that every day you're taking steps forward and that you're getting to a point where hopefully you'll be able to have incredible education, whether it be in-person, virtual, hybrid, um, that's going to meet the, the learning needs of, of, of our students. I think about you know specific populations. That's another thing that keeps me up is we have a very large ELL population here. Uh, sometimes I feel like they're underserved and that keeps me up at night. I think about our special education students and our students who need modifications and that keeps me up at, like, at night because I'm wondering, hey, are we doing the best for them in a virtual setting? So um, those are the big things that keep me up, but at the same time, I trust my team. I trust the plan that we have for our district, and I have to have faith that we take steps forward every day, and we'll get to a point where we'll be able to support um, each and every one of our, our kids. When you're twiddling, tweaking with the ideas for hybrid learning and you know teaching again, back again in the classroom in person, which I love, uh, has anything new um, out of the ordinary that perhaps some other institution hasn't done? Uh, now, again, I'm not asking you to reveal secrets, but at the same time, I'm very reveal interested. Reveal the secrets. No, reveal the secrets. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm, I'm very interested in, in something new that's popped up that per perhaps you haven't heard of. I, I think, you know, one of the biggest things we, we've improved upon is communication and collaboration. Um, you know, we, we do have the opportunity for our teachers to actually co-teach lessons. We have very strong instructional coaches who um, also offer different types of support and modalities uh, for virtual learning. And, and like I said, I, I think that th there's no secret. The, the secret is making sure that everyone is on the same page with moving education forward and collaborating. Uh, we have different PLCs here um, that go over, you know, what great teaching and learning looks like, what climate and culture looks like. And you know, this whole thing has, has kind of flipped education on its head and we're looking at a different side of it now. So I think the secret is understanding that education is forever changed and to move forward, we actually have to communicate and collaborate much more than we did actually being in the building. You know, Next door would be uh, Dr. Smith and we'd be talking about a chemistry lesson. Um, but even though you were next door to that person, uh, sometimes you really wouldn't see them for a whole week. Now, uh, virtually you click the button and there they are on your screen. So you know, having the access is great, but then having too much access is another thing. Making sure that I take care of my staff and say, hey, at a certain point, you have to turn off your computer. Students at a certain point, you have to turn off your computer. The access is great, but sometimes too much access is a lot. So if you're looking for a little bit of a, of a tip from me, is to make sure that we're taking care of our staff and our students and letting them have the opportunity to kind of disconnect uh, because there's definitely trauma and, and, and stress related to virtual learning. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for saying that. And, you know, this is the moment for our listeners and educators that permission to pause, truly shut it down, uh, turn it off with this new hyper awareness that we're always on Zoom. We're always in these, you know, the texting, the social, It's it becomes so much that self-care and um, really helping us work through this trauma that we're still in. We don't even know the effects of what this pandemic is doing to us or, or will have done to us yeah. until we get you know, the years of, of research in, in hindsight. But um, really shutting down and, and you know, being an example of not answering emails at 2 a.m. or midnight or, or whatever, those setting some boundaries so that um, I'm, I'm sure you do that so your staff know right? It, you don't, we need to, we need to take time for ourselves. And it sounds like you do that. Yeah. You know, I, I try to limit meetings. If I can put something in an email, I'll, I'll put it in an email um, because you, you definitely, 
you know, we have amazing teachers here and they're going to do anything and everything to make sure that their kids are supported. Uh, but they also have to take care of themselves. Uh, the old adage is you can't take care of others unless you take care of yourself first. So, uh, you know, we, we do have mindfulness initiatives. Uh, we actually, we, have, we implemented a district mindfulness initiative uh, and we use an online um, mindfulness program called Inner Explorer. And every single day, our students and our staff engage in that to start the day. So, um, you know, we, we definitely want prioritize social emotional aspects for our kids and our staff and, you know, taking, taking the opportunity to say, hey, uh, let's put my mental health first to start the day and knowing that, you know, tomorrow the sun is going to come up and those 1000 emails that I have will still be there and I'll be able That's to, right. to, to address them. Yeah, they're, they're not they're not when I went from teacher to administration. And I went from like, you know, 10 emails a day to 250. People didn't believe me. And I was like, oh no, that's for real. Like that, that's, yeah, for, real. that's for real, that's for real. So you, you've got to figure out what those guardrails and those boundaries are. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you being here. I, I, I have two final questions for you. Okay. The first one is, um, you know, is there anything that we didn't ask you that you want to share with us uh, that, you know, to, to let, us and our listeners know. And then the second one is, where do you think education, public education will be in 10 years? So something I think that, you know, we would we definitely would like to share um, is making sure um, that teachers take care of themselves. I, I think that that was a great point that was brought up at the end. And our teachers are amazing. And they're doing so much and they're asked, to, you know, they're being asked to do so much. And I think that as administrators, if we can take a step back and remember uh, that our teachers are doing so much for our students, you know, how can we best support them? I'm not perfect at it in any way. Uh, I try to be as communicative as I, as I can, but I think everyone from district administration to teachers needs to take a step back and take care of themselves. And I think that's really important. Um, where I think education is, is gonna be, um, let, let's see, right? It, 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 no one thought within the last year plus that we'd be here right now talking about virtual learning. Um, but I believe that education in the next few years is going to be completely different. We'll never go back to the status quo of being in a building um, all day, every day. Uh, you know, this is going to be a prime opportunity to address equity, whatever that looks like, because uh, now there are options and there are programs and technology to support equitable education for all students. So this is kind of, like I said before, put us on our head and we're looking at different aspects um, for learning. And uh, my hope is that we push the envelope forward with learning and we become uh, an educational system, uh, system uh, that supports all different types of learners. I, I'm very, well, I'm not happy that COVID happened. I think it's horrible that many people have, you know, gotten really sick and some people even have, have left us and they're not with us anymore. That's horrible. But I'm glad that um, something happened to to push everyone into the digital world because the industry that I'm in in esports got noticed. And oh, what's happening now is that uh, the, the the way to learn aside from an academic classroom uh, is in the in the digital realm. And combining both of them will take some time, and we'll, we'll kind of twiddle and tweak that to see what works, what doesn't. Like you said, what needs to come out as priority, and we will adjust that. And every institution will have their own niche, right? Their their own idea, and maybe there'll be institutions that are really really good at, at at teaching photography in the digital realm, so you can get more access to students globally. Um, and I think this is really cool, not only for recruitment for schools, for for retention, for creating new initiatives or alignment alignments with 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 companies. But I think it's something that how you said it yourself will will show the professors and teachers a kind of new ideals and new ideas and new techniques 
to uh, provide engagement for the students in their classroom. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're all covering that in a, in a safe way. Absolutely. If it doesn't challenge you, it will not change you. We're being challenged right now. Oh, that's a beautiful way to end it. Wow. Thank you. Thank you today to our guest, Ben Searle, principal of Dwight Morrill High School in Jersey. We are so happy that you were here with us today on the Add Up Edge K-12 podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Gonzalez, with my co-host today, Jerry Sanchez, and we will see you back here again on the Add Up Edge.